Hi, I'm Phil Parker. I'm Andy York. And this is the BRM podcast, and today we're talking about the B word. What's in the B word, then? Well, we've got some good stuff. We have Big Bad Barry from the Missenden Railway Modellers. He's behind you. <laughs> oh no, he isn't. <laughs> uh, and then we're going to talk. We're going to talk a little bit about shows. But also, the highlight today is we're talking to Rich Davis from Hands about Brexit. No. Oh yes, we are. Oh dear. Right. Um, we will start off with a bit of news, though. As with Glasgow show coming up, I believe there are some new exciting releases coming out. Yeah, I mean, actually, it leaked out a bit early uh, last week. But Accuriscale up at uh, at the show, they're doing a bit of a, an unveiling of... They've gone uh, going big with this one as an announcement. That's another B. Big? Uh, B for big, yeah. Uh, from the boys from Dublin, another B there. <laughs> That's, yeah, announcing the uh, Class 92, tied in with doing the uh, Caledonian sleeper stock, the new Mark V coaches as well. Wasn't this part of the deal when they signed to get the license for the Caledonian stock? They had to um, they had to do the ninety two or something. Yeah, I read something t- about that. It's all tied together. It's all tied together. So yeah, you've got different liveries across the lifetime of the uh, ninety two. But now, obviously, as we know, uh, part of the uh, the role of the ninety two is on the uh, Caledonian sleeper up the uh, the west coast main line. Ties in nicely, obviously, with the Mark V coaches. But already, for I mean, and that's a big thing going into a range of coaching stock as well as the loco, but not just the Mark Fives. You've got the Mark Five A's, which are going to be on the uh, Transpennine Express routes with the uh, Class Sixty Eight, which Dapol have actually just produced in the Transpennine uh, livery as well. We've got further variations to the coaches and the driving van trailer as well. That's a heck of a range they're going to take on there. I mean. I'm assuming it's a heck of a range. All coaches look the same to me. I'm a wagon man, but uh, um, I'm, a, I'm told the Mark Fives are, I think, slightly wider, and uh, they, they, they're quite—they are quite distinctive from yeah. the photos I've seen. Yeah, certainly they're very 21st century. So uh, not all coaches are B for Batman Mark Ones anyway. So that's your lesson for today on uh, on that. <laughs> oh, thanks, Dad. <laughs> um, no, it's, it's a big it's a big investment to take on a range of coaches like that one, and so um, it's going to be quite an announcement at Glasgow, isn't it? Yeah. Now moving forward uh, to Ali Pali, I was having a chat with the uh, the guys at B for Barwell as well yesterday. Uh, B for Batman yeah. will have some new items actually on show as EP samples down at uh, Ali Pali. EP samples? Well, de- engineering prototype samples. I think we have to explain. Okay. But, yeah. yeah. Um, those those are the great those are the great ones frequently three D printing that you see. So you've actually the first chance we get to see these things in the plastic. But they're going to have some D for decorated samples as well with uh, I believe the uh, class one five eight and one five nine that we should be seeing some deco samples of. Those are much anticipated especially the 158, isn't it? Yeah, indeed, indeed. I mean, that's a story that's been going on for a few years, as has the uh, 94XX uh, pannier as well. And I believe that we'll be seeing the first EP samples of that in B for Backman's Collectors Club Lounge at Ali Pali. Excellent. Well, of course, now we're looking forward to Ali Pali. It's our um, it's, it's, it's the uh, final of our three big shows over the uh, show season. And uh, we've got quite a list of lads. I must admit, I love Ali Pali as a show. It's such an iconic venue. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a nice show to walk around. And it has a very different atmosphere, I think, because of the venue. It is. It's a very characteristic venue. And I actually think it caters for the number of people that you get 
roughly about 10,000 people through there in the course of the weekend. But what I find... Be for for busy there, then. Be for busy, yeah. (laughs) Now, I find it interesting that Ali Pali is probably one of the most multicultural shows that we actually see in the uh, course of the calendar over the year. I think that's down to its location, because I always go to the Model Engineer show in January there. And again, it's the most mixed show you can imagine. There are, there, there are all creeds, races, families, orientations, everybody turning around, turning up. And it's, I think it's just down to the very cosmopolitan location that we get there. But I have to say that Adler Pally Model Engineering show is by far the best one, to mm. my mind. Um, and say the, as you say, we get a, a really varied audience uh, wandering around uh, the show at uh, at the at Ali Pali in March. And it, I, I mean, this uh, certainly last year when uh, the uh, the beef the biggest little railway uh, loco Silver Lady there, it was interesting to see how many families that had come along to the show where the kids wanted to have their photographs taken with the loco and all the rest of it. Hey, not not just the kids. I, I was standing on our on, on the beef for BRM stand um, there, and uh, a lady we were just inside the door. A lady came running up to me. Where's Silver Lady? And I, it's round the back um, behind our stand, and off she went. And uh, certainly talking to the guys who had been involved with the show, they were inundated that weekend. That that locomotive, yeah, a superb roundhouse product, was it was just a star. And it's, that's the power of telly, and we've certainly seen it sort of like through all of the exhibitions through the autumn and over the winter period. And it still seems to be the case that there's a residual effect from the Channel Five uh, TV uh, series last year the attendances at so many shows seem to be about 10% up, and we're probably expecting roughly the same outcome at uh, Ali Pali this year, aren't we? We are. I mean, it's been noticeable. Every show I've been to over the um, over the winter season has been up in numbers, and that's got to be great for the hobby because it's going to bring people in. It's up to us in the hobby then to, um, to grab hold of them and make them in, as enthusiastic about it as we are. But if we get them through the doors, it's good money, It's good news for the clubs because they get more income. I know um, the Aberdeen Club, they certainly benefited from an increase in members, as did the uh, Basingstoke Club. Yeah. Uh, well, that big? Uh, yeah. Uh. They, yeah. Uh, but no, the Basingstoke Club have, have, have put on about a third, of, a third of their membership in thanks to the TV programme. Uh, it's brilliant news. It is, it is. And as you say, it is up to us uh, what we actually do with folk. And I think that's an interesting thing that, I mean, at uh, Ali Pali, that we've got the Missenden uh, Modellers Group bringing Ealing Road along to uh, to the show. And there's some great stuff to actually see on that. There is some great stuff. In fact, such great stuff. I went down to see them before Christmas and recorded a little interview with Barry. This is actually part of a much bigger interview that we're putting onto our digital edition. Got 39 minutes of extra content for Digi uh, BRM readers. But here you are. Here's a little section uh, talking to Barry while I have some rather delicious cake that's just been delivered to the podcast studio. In the first episode of the Great Model Railway Challenge, uh, many of the viewers remember the most controversial aspect and certainly the most controversial team were the guys from uh, the Missenden Abbey. And I'm here with uh, Barry Cosins, uh, who obviously was quite a star of that show. You, yes. you certainly got some airtime there, Barry. I certainly got some airtime. Yes. Uh, big-headed Barry. Uh, you, 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 were, you were definitely a star, but so's the layout. And we're standing here now looking at uh, Ealing Road, uh, which has developed quite a bit since the, uh, since the programme and, so, and definitely survived its trip out of the studio. 
Yeah, it's certainly done that. It actually dismantled quite well to our surprise. It did sit in a garage for some little, about a month. Um, but we did decide that we wanted to actually take on an exhibition tour because it's turned out very well. It certainly has. I mean, it's certainly got a look. Now, the, let's start from the beginning of this. You, you presumably were set some sort of um, brief and you had to design a layout to go to go rich. And I think the design process must have been quite interesting. It was. Um, part of all of this, of course, was each of the heats was given this theme. So mm. we were given the theme of the movies. And the team and I sort of sat around and batted ideas around and we came up with all sorts of things from bridge on the river of Kauai. We could make a bridge and we could blow it up and da-da-da-da. Has anybody ever modelled a palm tree? Has anybody got any Japanese figures? Uh, no, well, that's probably not a great idea then. Uh, and we went through a whole series of potential movies that had trains as a, some sort of background to them. But most of them were one-shot tricks. Uh, and then somebody came up with, I think, the Lady Killers, because it's built around a famous scene of a, a bridge and a cutting. Um, and everybody falling off or getting killed. And, and getting people killed getting killed, killed and falling off. So that was quite... A, and then I, we str I struck on the idea of looking, therefore, at some... Oh, we'd also talked about Brief Encounter. So I went looking on Wikipedia, and I went looking for... And I found a list of the classic British movies of all time, the top 100 list, um, as voted for by BM, you know, one of the major film groups. And when I went through it, it was interesting because actually Brief Encounters was number two. Mm -hmm. So was featured um, The Lady Killers, but equally were a load of other Ealing Studios films. And as we went through, we went, oh, we could do a cameo of that. We could do a cameo of that one. Because part of the rules were you had to have sort of cameos and, uh, and, and animations. Well, it was course. all, yeah. And the other thing that forces you into looking at stuff is looking at they wanted height, they wanted animation, uh, light, sound if possible. So mm -hmm. we then started to think hard about that. When we then got to this, looking at this list, and then we homed it on essentially Ealing, Ealing Studios stuff. You get Whiskey Galore, you get um, The Lady Killers, Titchfield Thunderbolt, the list goes on and on. But all really, really well-loved films. I mean, But the known films, if you're of a certain age, I remember watching them, and lots of people do remember them. I even um, panel-tested them with my children, who are not very young, I must admit, but they knew, certainly everybody knows Brief Encounter. So... Um, that then sort of gets us into how did we get to this point? Well, there are two ships featured in two of the movies. A London Dock, because that will go with um, the cuttings and the whole thing of the gangsters in London. Oh, that was set in grimy London town post-war. We then got into, oh, the two major themes really, which ends up as a passport to Pimlico, unexploded bombs, flying pigs. When I put to the uh, production company we might do something with a helicopter and flying pigs, he went absolutely crazy. This would be great. So we'd get an animation of a helicopter flying around. Uh, we then worked out we could do an animation of a boat, a ship, sorry, Kiwi. Um, <laughs> joking, the, the, the group is, um, I call them boats because they're ships and 
My man over there actually is on the buggy. People get very, very hung up about that, don't they? They do, especially my my friend over there, Kiwi. And so you've got you've got two but you've got two boats, ships, whatever. Yes, sat in the dockside. You've got yes, an animated a crane that fully functions, which is a, a an incredible bit of engineering from one of the team members. Um, very talented bunch of guys, really talented. How did you get together? Um, basically, uh, this was an interesting start to it all because I was a bit charmy, like I think a lot of people about taking part. Um, but uh, I was actually approached by uh, Mr. Dunshooter originally, mm-hmm. and I heard about this and I thought about it. He thought I should take part, he thought I would be good at it. Um, he then incidentally told the production company about me, who contacted me directly. Um, but basically through Missenden. So uh, uh, Chris Langdon, who runs the Missenden model, has also contacted them, talked to them. He was also convinced it would be a good thing for somebody to do. Was quite ha- very then happy that I might lead a team. And then through some contacts, I mean, I know I uh, knew four of the team before we actually formed met them on courses or were part of courses I've been on. Um, Chris then advertised through Mr. The Modelers to their extensive mailing list. Would anybody be interested? Please contact me. So the team was formed from that, really. So you didn't actually know each other particularly well before you started? I knew one guy particularly well because he's a member of my local Merg group. Mm. Um, I also knew another guy fairly well through Missenden because he, like me, goes to Missenden, has been for the last few years virtually every event that's held I've been on courses with um, uh, another member but basically I mean I mean the group gelled around this the, project the group right? essentially came grew out of this project um, and what a great group they turned out to be this is excellent cheesecake <laughs> so there we go that was Barry Cousins and as you say, obviously, we've got the, uh, the full-length uh, video feature showing all sorts of modelling uh, details on Ealing Road. And that's with our digital version of uh, BRM this month. And what else is in the uh, digital in, in the version of Reap? Um, and I'm just looking at the list, and we've got Wick War. Yeah, Engage Layout, sort of like, I don't know, Bristol, Middle and Main Line-ish. Uh, yeah, based on prototype location. Uh, some very good uh, Engage modelling there. And also, uh, I'm seeing Ealing Road, which is which we just talked about. Um, some MPDs, and, and oh, we've got Haybridge Wharf as well, which is three mil fine scale. That's a bit different. It uh, is. I photographed that a couple of years ago, actually, and it's a really nice little, interesting layout. Where um, I, because I'm, I've done some three mil modelling in the past, it's great to get hold of it. Really attractive scale. Um, quite a small layout, which is. You know, it, it exemplified by the fact you can do it in three mil as well into an even smaller space. Mm. Loads of detail, loads of modelling. Everything's had to be made from either kits or scratch built, but it really—it's got loads and loads of character. Yeah, it does look uh, really nicely executed. But then we go into your weird, weird world uh, a little bit. Ah, oh, yes, yes. B, B yeah. for big railways. Yes, was... B, definitely B for big railways, and uh, possibly B for boom, because uh, I've also photographed a layout called Wolf and Wolf, and the, um, the the video that's recorded with that should be on the DVD as well. Uh, the 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 layout itself is sixteen mil scale, running on scale eighteen inch gauge track. Everything's been scratch built and is based on a munitions depot, 
um, literally Wolf and Wharf Munitions Depot. And it's unusual because you've got a large-scale layout. Uh, It's not a garden railway layout. It's a very conventional exhibition layout in many ways. And uh, it's full of detail. Mm. The point of doing it in very large scale, 16 mil, is that you have to pack the detail in. So all the flowers have got all the petals. Really? Yes. To be fair, they are Britain's 1960s uh, flowers, but they really look the business. And you know, the locos, they don't run like a garden railway loco. They run like a, a much more traditional exhibition layout loco. They run very nice and slowly, very smoothly. There's proper stock for shunting uh, and things like that. The stock has been designed around the cordite trays, which he has modelled mm-hmm. um, board by board in yeah. most cases. There's an awful big, as I say, the size of it uh, allows you to do that level of detail. Fascinating model, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing it around on the exhibition circuit a lot more in the future. Yeah, the, the other thing you said, boom in there, and I know this is something you seem to have had this uh, bizarre fascination with over the uh, the last year or so. It's not in the magazine yet, but I believe it's uh, just arriving with uh, retailers, and that's the, uh, the Oxford Rail uh, gun. Yes, the Oxford Rail um, Bosch Buster gun uh, is an amazing bit of kit. I first saw it a year ago at the uh, Toy Fair in London, and everybody went, what the heck is that? Uh, we, had, we knew nothing about it until the day, and um, walked in to see a 3D printed version of the gun. It was huge, and this year the uh, finished version was on the stand. It's huge still, and heavy. It's quite a heavy device. Uh, it's got an awful lot of wheels. And very nicely detailed and amazingly priced. It's less than fifty quid, isn't it? I know, and I, I know, I know. People have said, "Oh, it's a completely useless thing," and they're absolutely right. It is completely useless to most people. It's right on your street, then. Uh, yes, it is. It's just I, I don't really do military stuff apart from trying battle space, but even I want one of those. <laughs> it's it, it is such it's such a fascinating piece of rolling stock, and I'm told from people who've got it that it actually will go round uh, certainly second radius curves quite nicely. Yeah. Despite the fact it's got more wheels than most of the, than pretty much much my entire layout underneath yeah. it uh it's just one of those lollipop items that a lot of modelers are going to want to have yeah especially at that price i think so obviously your point in your bosch buster across the channel ready for taking back control at the end of end of march aren't you i, I believe so i believe that i believe there's me a line of them along the along the white cliffs brexit is obviously one of the big uh things that's that uh, it's it's a big issue and we haven't really talked about it in the modeling world but uh Bearing in mind that it is going to affect all our retailers in some way or the other, uh, you've been across to have a chat with uh, Rich Davis at Hattons. I'd like to have a chat with you, Richard, about Brexit. We're five weeks away from it, and if you listen to every news broadcast, we're a long way away from sort of like having any clarity on what uh, it actually means to us in a day-to-day life. So if we refine that down to our hobby interests and through yourself, I mean, obviously, happens as a leading retailer uh, within the UK uh, hobby marketplace. First of all, obviously, you are a, a direct importer yourself. So are there any aspects of Brexit which you've had to look at from an import perspective? Well, we we think that so so we've t- we've we've taken a look at it and we've decided what we are going to do and what we're, we're almost not going to do. Um, our well, well, I I imagine that the, the the in the initial weeks, if we proceed with a no deal on March the 29th, then um, then we will see probably a couple of weeks of big issues around around the major ferry 
uh, terminals, particularly uh, Dover's. Um, and so, so what we've done is rather than, but our, our stock does come in, it does come in by, by sea freight, um, but we ha and we've got stuff on the way. Um, but we, we haven't taken any action like additionally air freighting in to, to bypass Brexit. Um, but we, we do consider that it's gonna, we are gonna see a delay with it, with it docking and passing through customs. So obviously we don't know what likely delays there are, but it's possible that there could be some delays at that import stage. Yeah, well, yeah, highly likely. I mean, there's no reason why it's gonna go through any quicker, therefore it's gonna be delayed. Um, but our, because like you see with, with, with the police um, running the, um, the operation, operation stack, that, that's probably gonna just be a massive, um, the biggest ever operation stack in effect, I'd imagine, really. Well, I mean, obviously, it's going to be interesting when we get to that point of time. But obviously, once you've got uh, uh, your deliveries into the country, obviously, you go through the processes yeah. at Witness. Then there comes the other side of it. You've got a lot of customers that aren't within the UK, and they're, they're outside the UK and uh, elsewhere in the world, but also in the EU. What do you see as any differences that you may be encountering after March the 29th? Well, I Im imagine there might be a, a little bit of a standoff where, where in, in the, cu the current kind of, um, we haven't been advised to make any changes to the way that we're shipping by any of our couriers, but it actually, and I think some, some um, countries have, have given like a, a period of, of additional, uh, just just running as as they as they currently are. But, but I imagine there's just going to be just a, a delay, um, which will, which will then um, just mean the stuff being held up in transit for for a period. But but, but potentially what we what we can do is, um, if if it gets to the stage where that's becoming a likelihood, we'll just suspend dispatching products. Orders to ensure that that stuff is that the orders on uh, on routes aren't held in too much of a limbo. Right. So obviously you've got a plan there that you've given consideration to the what if scenarios if if there are delays there. But I've also been reading as well. I mean, it was some stuff that was raised on RM Web by uh, Mike at CNN Models in Carlisle about the involvement of. Uh, if you like, import and export agencies as part of the uh, the processes and handling. Is that anything that sort of like you, well that you already deal with? And are there any changes to that? Well, the, the majority of our so, so I think one of the reasons Hatton's been so successful is because we managed to keep everything simple, but but operate at a larger scale. So so we just just generally tend to use regular couriers, Royal Mails, DHLs, and the vast majority of the uh, shipments are within the UK, so yeah. we don't deal with any large pl intermediary players for um, for exporting. Also, the, you're saying that there's a lot of other things. It's not just about the products that you're retailing that you've had to uh, uh, give a bit of forethought and planning to. It's the other aspects of the business as well. Yeah, the the, the major action that we've actually taken, rather than a kind of respond as it happens approach is actually proactively sourcing um, and storing a, a lot more of the supplies that we use day to day here. Um, so we, we have actually bought in literally 
pallets and pallets of extra uh, cardboard and packing materials, labels, um, bubble wrap. Um, so we've got we've got um, probably about fifty pallets of all that just sitting here, um, pushing uh, packing. Um, and we have gone. So, we have actually gone so far as paper towels, wool. Uh, <laughs> uh, we are kind of um, belts and braces kind of approach, really. Okay. Well, I've got to say, brilliant. I mean, it is reassuring to hear that you've given, given consideration to things and actually taken action on it as a proactive way of planning that you're in the best position possible that you, well, based on whatever unknown variables that we may have at the end of March. So well, well played to you. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, the, the shipping of the, of, of the orders will respond as it develops. Um, like like we we we're very agile in that manner, but but the but the things which we which we are outside of our control, like the sourcing of those supplies, that's one that we're that we're um, that we, we we've been able to do something about proactively. Okay, great. Now moving towards the uh, the end of March, that uh, you're actually down at Alexandra Palace at the London Festival of Railway Modelling with us. Uh, so that that's obviously sort of like uh, just on the doorstep of the uh, the end of March. Um, can you tempt us with some goodies that you're going to have on show We're down at Ali Pali? Yeah, well, our RHTT and um, intermodal container flats should be in stock for them. And, and we're actually planning to, for the first time in, in UK model railways, we're actually looking to schedule a proper release date of the product. Right. Because, well, because we take pre-orders for the items as well as distributing them through our own retail network, and we've recognized that we um, need to kind of take a line and have a, have a proper product launch date. So, so the, the Saturday of the um, Ali Pali show is when we'll be officially kind of unveiling that product and it'll be available through retailers who, uh, who we partner at that event. Right, absolutely brilliant. Okay, well, I look forward to seeing uh, that. All the best with the, uh, the rest of the plans for uh, uh, the head of Brexit. Uh, thank you very much indeed for taking a bit of time to have a chat with us today, Richard, and uh, things from your viewpoint. Thank you. Well, that's, that was fascinating there, Andy. Um, I'm pleased to hear that uh, at least the Hatton's people won't be short of toilet paper. Um, it, it was really interesting to see uh, what the, the, the way people are going to approach this, because obviously this is making a big difference. And uh, as, as I've as certainly said, one of the biggest traders in our hobby, they, they've they had to think long and hard about this. However, the one place where the B word is banned is on our own web. Uh, you just could not let that one loose out there, could you? No, you couldn't. But also, the other thing that's upsetting people is you've gone and changed our own web, haven't you, Andy? Yeah, well, I felt sort of like after nine and a half years, it was due a bit of a, an upgrade. No, I mean, seriously, it needed to be done for a, a future pr- uh, proofing uh, perspective. And to actually bring in a lot of features and functions moving forward from this point. So we've spent a little bit of time uh, today looking at how we develop some of those things uh, into the future as well. So there's lots of exciting things to come. But in the meantime, it's an awful lot easier to carry out certain functions such as uploading pictures, quoting other people. I was going to say the quoting system works really well. It's, it's been quite interesting because obviously you change anything as major as that. So pe- people spend a lot of time on RM Web, and that's brilliant. Oh, I've had some brilliant things. Not just what you see on RM Web. 
the things that have come in via the contact us and email, I've had some absolutely brilliant ones come through. I mean, often without any useful information that I can actually help the person with. So there's no name or email address that's come in with it. Uh, and there was one, it just came through to me. What has gone wrong? Uh, I mean, okay, my wife says that I am sarcastic, but I was so tempted to reply, what, with your life? With society? What? <laughs> I know, it's amazing. But of course, of course, we've got to bear in mind, this is a community, and, pe- and, and people spend a lot of time, and we've got you know, thousands of users all trying different things in there, and they, they, you, you, you do get used to particular software and the way things work, and... You know, it's, uh, I can understand it's a bit of a shock to the system because it does look very different. But as you say, there's some cracking new features in there. Yeah. I mean, I, OK, you want people to sort of like, you'd love them to embrace change. But as you say, there's a bit of conservatism and reluctance in there. But as ever, it's busy and obviously people do voice their opinions on there. And one thing that we'd actually like people to do is give us a bit of feedback on this as a podcast. What sort of material would you like to see included in such things in the future? Do you listen to other podcasts? What do you think? What's what's good? What's bad? Where are you getting your podcast from? That sort of thing. This is very much an experiment. This first, this first one. But we'd certainly like to have a go, have a go again in the future. And everybody's learning as we go. So we can't necessarily say, "Oh, we'll be back next week," but we'll do our level best to be. All right. Okay. See you later, folks. Thanks for listening.